Our gospel lesson today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this text that Aaron just read is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And it leaves me with a question. What do we do about these ashes when we leave today? My guess is that some of you have come from work, maybe taking your lunch hour and you're going to be going back to the office or making your rounds or interacting with the people you work with. Maybe some of you are going to stop somewhere and get a bite to eat for lunch, or you're going to run through the Publix and get something for dinner tonight. We're going to be interacting with people out in the world. Should we keep the ashes on or not? Have you ever wondered about that? Should we hand out handkerchiefs at the door so you can wipe them off and go back out into the world? Or should you wear them as a sign? Well, Jesus just said, be careful about practicing your piety before others so that you may be admired by them. So maybe Jesus would be suggesting we need to wipe them off. On the other hand, also in the Sermon on the Mount, just a few verses earlier, he said, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hmm, well, which is it? Should we wear them out in the world as a way to glorify God, or should we wipe them off so that we're not parading our piety before others? 
Well, as with any question, any deeper question, the answer is often, it depends. Perhaps it depends on what these ashes mean to us and how we think of them, how we receive them. If we go out into the world wearing our ashes so that we can show everybody we've been to church, so that people will see that we are pious, that we are practicing the spiritual disciplines of Lent, if we're hoping that people will admire and respect us because we wear the ashes, then we should probably get that handkerchief and wipe them off as we leave. But if we put these ashes, if we receive these ashes as the ancient church wanted us to receive them, if they mean for us what they meant in the beginning, then maybe we should keep them on for a while. Nobody knows how ancient this ritual of the imposition of ashes is. It's at least a thousand years old. Some say it even goes back to the sixth century. You see, our forebears in the faith knew that in order to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, in order to walk with Jesus to the cross and stay with him through the hours of crucifixion and death, we needed time to prepare to hear that story again and to receive the grace that is offered to us in Christ's death and resurrection. And so there evolved a season, a 40-day season, just as Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness before he began his public ministry. We as his followers are invited to walk through this 40-day season and examine ourselves, look at our lives, dig deep into our hearts and our souls to get back in touch with our own need for the grace and the outpouring of love that we receive at the cross and the empty tomb. And at some point, it was decided that some way to begin that 40-day journey was important. And so Ash Wednesday developed. And the idea was that these ashes are to remind us of two things, our mortality and our sinfulness. So I want to dig into these just a little bit as we prepare to receive these ashes once again today. These ashes are made of dust. And when we receive them on our foreheads or on our hands, we are told that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. These are the words that God spoke to Adam and Eve as they were leaving the garden. A reminder that we do not live forever on this earth, that our bodies give out, that we are limited, that we are not the Savior we are not God. We are human. We are not in control. It is not up to us to manage the world, to manage ourselves, or to save the world. We are in need of God's grace, always. And our days are numbered. These ashes are to remind us of our sinfulness. Now that is a word, the word sin is one that that we often wrestle with because for many who have been raised in the church, there's been this tradition of reminding people every Sunday that we're sinners, we're sinners, and beating people up and not leaving people with much hope, but leaving people in a sense of, of shame and unworthiness. 
And so for those who want to preach and live a word of grace and remind people as we do as a congregation of God's unconditional love, we sometimes drop that language. And yet it is a gift to us from the church. What does it mean that we are sinful? What does it mean that we all sin? Well, perhaps it's helpful to go back to that original word in the Greek that we find in the New Testament. It's actually an archery term. You may know this already. But the word sin means missing the mark. That we just miss the mark. We know the life that God calls us to lead. As those of us in this congregation have been making our way through the Torah these past few weeks, we have seen how God tries to shape the people of Israel and show them the way of life and the way of love, how to live in right relationship with God, with one another, with ourselves, with the earth. Jesus does the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount and all of his teachings and his life to show us the way of life and love. And yet, I don't know about you, but I miss the mark every day. I know that I'm called to love God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love my neighbor as myself, to love my enemies, to care for the earth. And how many times in the course of an hour do I miss the mark? So these ashes remind us that it's part of who we are as human beings, that we just miss the mark. We are broken. Each and every one of us, in our own way, are broken. The older I get, the more I realize how hard it is for me and for most of us, perhaps all of us, to receive the love of God. To believe deep down genuinely that we are beloved by God, that we are worthy in God's eyes, that God looks upon us and calls us good. And I think that's a result of my brokenness and our brokenness. There's a beautiful song by David Wilcox called A Break in the Cup, where he has this image of a broken cup. And he says there's a break in the cup that holds love inside us all. And so at the end of the song, he says that's why we have to place ourselves at the fountain the never-ending flow of love from God because it's hard for us to hold on to it and we need to be reminded and refreshed again and again and again of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's love. These ashes on our foreheads remind us that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in need of God's grace. And there's that word, all. It's a reminder that we're all in it together, that we all struggle and we all need God's grace and we all need reminding of that again and again and again. I wish you could stand up here where we're sitting and standing on Ash Wednesday. At the end of the service, as I look out, I see all of your faces with the mark of the cross and though our struggles are different, though our brokenness is different, though our pain is different, we're all in it together. 
I heard Father Richard Rohr say on a podcast not too long ago that we humans sometimes play this game with ourselves where we compare our suffering with other people. I'm going through a hard time, but it's nothing compared to what the people in Ukraine are facing or the people in Turkey and Syria or my next door neighbor who's facing a stage four cancer diagnosis. But he said there's no point in comparing our suffering because when we suffer, we are in touch with and connected with the great suffering of all humankind. Our ashes remind us of our oneness in our need for God, in our need for healing, in our need for a savior. A reminder that we can't save ourselves, we can't fix ourselves, we can't save the world. Only God can do that. And that's why we need the Savior who is coming. These truths about the ashes became clear to me in my own experiences on Ash Wednesday. I'll confess, there are times when I have gone through the service of Ash Wednesday and my feelings haven't gone too deep. It's been part of the worship and it's been good, but... I went on with my day and didn't think about it too much. But there was one time about 13 years ago when I was first living into the role of senior pastor in my ministry, and I was overwhelmed. And I felt responsible for everybody's feelings and everybody's happiness and the well-being of the church, and I was taking all of this on and gritting my teeth like I have to do this job perfectly. And someone else preached that service, and all I did was participate, and I came forward to receive the ashes. And as I heard them say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What I heard was, Carol, you are not God. You are not the Savior. You are limited. You are one person. Let it go. A few years later, when I came forward for the ashes, I was struggling with my own grief, having lost my mother, my second parent. The world feels different once you've lost both your parents. And I can't remember what had happened in the world, but there was another tragedy that was weighing heavily on all of us. And I came forward to receive the ashes. And I felt connected with everyone in the room and everyone around the world. And there was this realization that God's grace was holding us all. And that the journey we're making to the cross is a journey to see the Savior of the world taking upon himself all of our grief, all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our suffering into his body and he and he alone rose from the dead and redeemed that suffering for all of us and all humanity so my friends as we come forward in just a moment to receive these ashes and as you wear them out into the world if you want to wipe them off that's okay you can do that But if you wear them out into the world and someone asks you, what's that on your forehead or what's that on your hand? Maybe there's an invitation to say, it's a sign 
that I'm not perfect, that I have a lot to learn, that I need God's grace and God's love. It's a sign that I'm not alone. And every Sunday, I've got to go back to this place called church because there's a fountain there where I can go and be filled again with the love and grace of God. And you're welcome to come with me if you'd like. There's always room for one more.